I think a materialist approach to things is very, very consistent with uh, my experience in Christian social justice. I feel like the, the deeper I get into anarchist practice, the deeper my faith is getting at the same time. I would hope that you know, securing means of life for all would be something all people of faith would say, oh yes, that's at the basis of what we believe. Those who are most marginalized know the most about the truth, the good and the beautiful. To me, it's less that I think building class solidarity is a bad thing, as much as it seems like if you don't attend to things like anti-black racism, um, that's always going to get in the way of building class solidarity, actually. And when you go back, you find that a lot of uh, revolutionary grassroots participatory movements, the, the precursors to what you could call um, the barrio assemblies and these like, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church. What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? Um, you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects. Welcome to The Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Dean Detloff, and I'm a Catholic PhD student at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto. I'm Matt Bernico, and I am the Assistant Professor of Communication and Media Studies at Greenville University in Greenville, Illinois. Give my full title there, in case there are any sort of like, <laughs> uh, job prospects listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, you gotta, gotta create that audio CV. Yeah. Um, so last week on this podcast, we talked about Jacques Ellul, a French Calvinist anarchist uh, who has a lot of weird ideas about anarchism, and we weren't uh, super down with that. So this week, we're talking to some actually cool Christian anarchists, uh, namely Catherine, who runs a podcast called Friendly Anarchism. Uh, we had her on the show before, and Sung, and both of them are members of the Friendly Fire Collective. So we'll talk more about that in a minute. But first, we have this cool email from Joe Cruz. Yeah, uh, as you may remember, uh, we talked to uh, Joe and his comrade Brenna about the Catholic Worker a while back, uh, all the way back on episode 45. Um, It was a really cool conversation uh, for Dean and I, uh, because we have said some things in the past about the Catholic Worker. We have cast aspersions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they said straight and it was really good uh it was a really good conversation about the catholic worker and like what they're up to these days um and uh on that episode we talked a little bit more about uh anarchism and marxism um so uh this email is pretty interesting in light of that conversation uh because uh so in this email joe uh just sent us a message to kind of reflect on the things that we said about jacques Ellul. um so here's what joe said uh, he said, as I've been ruminating on this episode, the Jacques episode last week, a thought came to me around my relationship to anarchism. I think my ascribing to anarchism to some degree is more eschatological than material or practical. I mean, for my own emotional slash spiritual health and stability, I have to believe heaven on earth is real and possible. I have to believe a world without coercion and violence is possible, just like I have to believe that God is a real thing. However... I also believe that I have to hold my personal eschatology and relationship and sometimes intention with real people, uh, with real people's pain and experiences and the material reality of my surrounding in late capitalist USA. I think in that sense, it's irreducible and counterproductive and violent to not see the abolition of capitalism and the production of a Marxist slash socialist state as a stepping stone toward or perhaps gateway into a world without coercion, without, uh, without personal and systemic violence, and maybe without a state as we've understood it. Um, so, uh, that's a pretty cool, uh, thing for Joe to say. That was a great reflection. Uh, I feel mm. 
extremely uh, interested in hearing more about that. I think that's a great thing, though. So cool that Joe let us in on that, uh, like what's going on in his life. Um, yeah. If you if you have similar ideas and want to send us your thoughts about them, feel free. It's always nice to get sort of emails about uh, ways people react to what we're talking about on the show. So that's especially cool. Yeah, and mark them as okay to be read on the show because we don't read emails that we get that don't say that. So also, uh, I think this email is great because there is a lot to be said about Marxism and the state and Marxist relationships to the state. And I think anarchists and Marxists have a lot to kind of talk about across those traditions. Uh, and it's pretty neat to think that Christians might be able to think that through with ideas like eschatology and, and material life and all that kind of thing. So I appreciate yeah. that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is an overall great introduction to the ways that Catherine and Heisung talk about uh, and think about anarchism, too. Um, so throughout the conversation that you're about to hear, uh, Heisung even calls his theology apocalyptic. Uh, that's something I like so much. Um, I think that, yeah. yeah. Dean, what you just said is, is totally right, that uh, Christians kind of understand the uh, historical narrative uh, in terms of like apocalypse and eschatology, I think, better than Marxists and anarchists do. Um, well, I don't know. It's it's debatable, but I think so. Uh, it's, also, <laughs> it's also a pretty cool example of how Christian leftists can be informed by conversations across leftist tendencies and be challenged by a number of strategies to think about how another world is actually possible. Um, one of the coolest things about the Friendly Fire Collective is that they're uh, intentionally open to other Christians and other leftists, including us, just boring old Marxists. Uh, so uh, we thought it'd be uh, good to boost that signal. So this week we're talking with Sung and Catherine. And just to start out, instead of us saying who you are, maybe you could just say who you are. Uh, talk a little bit about what does your Christianity look like? What political associations are you into? And maybe just give us a, a little bit about uh, your involvement in the Friendly Fire Collective. Uh, yeah. Uh, sure, so I'm Catherine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, you you want to go first? <laughs> no, you, please. <laughs> no, me? Okay, Ah, you're sweet. All right, um... <laughs> I am Catherine. I am the host of the Friendly Anarchism podcast. I'm a Quaker and an anarchist, just like Sung here. So that's how we got together, is through the Quaker anarchy thing. Um, my Christianity is very radical. It ties in with anarchism very nicely in that way. I think uh, back to sort of the radical revivals of early Christian Christianity and mystic Christianity throughout the ages as far as Jesus's message of um, taking down both wealth and power and uh, destroying hierarchies. Yeah. Um, I'm with uh, Friendly Fire. It was really fun to find other Quakers who are also radicals because it felt pretty niche. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it is pretty niche, but it's actually uh, Quakerism and anarchy work together and like sort of like radical politics actually work together really nicely and have a long, rich history. So um we are kind of coming out of the woodwork, especially with these new projects like the Friendly Fire Collective and like Friendly Anarchism and sort of the new Pentecostalism, which is um, Sung's project. Yeah, that's great. Love all that. Uh, <laughs> how about you, Sung? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Sung, and I am Quaker-ish, Pentecostal-ish, uh, though I'm like pretty critical of institutional quakerism i really am into like the apocalyptic witness of early friends and it speaks to me and like the whole idea of being like a holy fool and a troublemaker for jesus and um also like 
Quaker spirituality is something that's kind of uh, essential to how I experience God, like the silence as the ground for worship. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm still pretty like charismatic Pentecostal. I like listen to nineties vineyard worship pretty much daily and, and speak in tongues. So I don't know where <laughs> that awesome. leaves me. <laughs> um, and politically, like I, I, I'm an identify as an anarchist. I'm, I've, I dig what I've read about um, like autonomous Marxism and workerism, but I'm also like into Murray Bookchin and like libertarian municipalism. So I like participatory like, politics and stuff and like troublemaking in general. But yeah, I'm not super into theory. Uh, cool. Yeah. Can you guys tell us a little bit about uh, about Quakerism too? Um, I don't know if that's something we've talked about a lot on the show. And Pentecostalism as well. Those are two uh, parts of Christianity that I think have largely gone untalked about by us. So maybe you guys could fill us in a little bit about like what uh, those types of Christianity are about and like why you find them interesting. Sure. So Quakerism I find interesting because the basic tenet of Quakerism is that we are all equal under the eyes of God. Everybody. Everybody has a light within and has a direct connection to um, their source or his source, or her source, or however you like to pronoun your God. Um, and so that sort of leaks out, well, not leaks out, that informs the way that Quaker process and Quakers worship together. <clears throat> and there's a couple different kinds of Quakers, actually. I'm what's called a non-programmed Quaker, and there's also programmed Quakers. So programmed Quakers are very similar to other sort of evangelical churches where there is a pastor and there is a led service, um, at the church, you know, that includes a sermon and includes maybe some singing and that kind of thing. Um, but there's also unprogrammed Quakers, and unprogrammed Quakers mean that there is not a program, there is no service, and there is no pastor. It's an entirely non-hierarchical system of worship where everybody um, kind of worships together and everybody can have a voice and hear, like, speak the, for the voice of God as if we were all pastors, which is called um, a vocal ministry. So you can what we do is we all sit together in silence for an hour in the same room, which is called worship, corporeal worship, corporate worship, also corporeal. <laughs> I meant corporate, though. Um, um, yeah, so corporate worship where anybody can give a vocal ministry and everybody can be a minister, and which means just standing up and, like, if you're felt led to say something from the space of spirit that is to speak to everybody in the room and it can be really short little poetic things and it can be kind of longer um yeah that's sort of a real real quick breakdown i'm sure i, I missed lots of things because you can't really explain it in <laughs> two seconds but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any questions or do we move on pentecostalism uh yeah i mean I, i'll i guess i'll say this is like i, I come from a like a, when i became like a christian I, I like came into like the evangelical world and uh, very quickly, I, I got sucked into the charismatic stuff, um, and it felt very natural to me. Um, uh, and like that's how I experienced God when I became a Christian. I just started shaking, and I was like, "Oh, this is a thing." And so I started going to like these prayer meetings and stuff. And uh, when I was actually at Calvin College for, I went there for three semesters. I was organizing like a prayer meeting in my dorm room, and like we had. I would invite anyone like I, I met off the street. Uh, literally, there was this old like Presbyterian evangelist, this lady I met at like a uh, a party once, and like some kids from the, a church I met at an altar call. Like literally, like we were getting prayed on, and I was like, "Hey, do you want to come to my prayer meeting later?" And um, and a bunch of like you know Christian reform kids 
and we were doing the charismatic thing together and um, there was no program or like agenda or anything. We would just sit and and worship and, and wait on God and people would start prophesying and laying hands and um, and from and like I actually at the time was reading a, a book called uh, I think it's called it's one of those penguin books uh, like early Quaker writings or something and I was like oh people have been doing this for a while now so uh, for me like actually my Pentecostalism led me to Quakerism and and uh, yeah. That's really cool. I did not immediately make that connection, but now it does make sense to me. I did not see, like, I guess how those things are similar, but no, I get it. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think vocal ministry is basically just prophesying. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's cool. Uh, I appreciate you guys sharing that stuff with us. That's always really fun to hear about other people's uh, faith and their experiences and their practices. I like that a lot. Um, well, uh Maybe we can shift more towards uh, how you guys express that politically or what that means politically in terms of the Friendly Fire Collective. Uh, can you guys tell us a little bit about that? How did it get going? Um, what's the goal? What are you guys trying to do? Etc. <laughs> so Friendly Fire Collective is a loose network of like anti-fascist, anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist Christians. Um, we aren't in one location. We're scattered across the U.S. And a lot of us actually know each other through Quaker things, uh, uh, Quaker voluntary service or various retreats, um, as well as through organizing together in anti-fascist efforts. Uh, initially, uh, it was something Blair and I dreamed up. Blair's another collective member um, as a way to connect radical leftist Quakers and start to organize together, but also to like prophesy and rebuke uh, the wider religious society of Friends. Um, so originally the name Friendly Fire was because we intended on critiquing our tradition and the things we see holding back our tradition, uh, things that our tradition, uh, the people in our tradition value and hold as precious that were act in actuality like shitty and oppressive. Um, and thus we called ourselves like Friendly Fire. So, um, but at this point, probably half of the people in, in, in our collective are Quaker um, and some are like Quaker-ish, but don't really like have different histories with Quakerism, but don't necessarily identify that way. Um, but there's something very Quaker about our vision. And uh, I think, yeah, like how early friends had like wild mystical experiences where they like wept and shook and, and had visions. And that was often a very communal experience. And that experience of God led them into action. And it led thousands of like Quakers at the time, especially like, you know, in the late 1600s to jail from marching naked while prophesying against those in power to refusing to pay <laughs> taxes to uh, that fed the violence of the British Empire. So um, there were always kind of a, a wild, they were a wild bunch of like holy fools. And we kind of wanted to to like revitalize and, and reconnect to that tradition and that that idea that like through encountering the divine love, we can stretch our ability to empathize and also become like brave to do the work that is needed. Um, so yeah, we see mysticism and the experience of God as integral to, to the work uh, we're doing into our organizing uh, efforts and the work we want to do as a collective. So yeah, we kind of see that like we see mysticism as our charism or gift in the emerging Christian left. So for me, I want to bring the 
power of God, the power of source of light and love into organizing and into organizing spaces. I'm not necessarily by that name, but we talk a lot about empowerment in social justice. And I, I see it as the same way, as the same thing, and that that can come from a spiritual strengthening and a spiritual grounding that I think that the movement is looking for and needs. And so having a group of people that are focusing on that specifically is really helpful, I think, or can be really helpful to sort of being able to bring that into these spaces. And so I want to help empower others um, to find their own strength and to like um, embrace that they are equal with everybody else and that they have rights and that they have the right to justice for themselves. Um, you know, I'm speaking specifically of marginalized communities and um, also of activists who oftentimes are burning themselves out, are not taking care of themselves, um, are, are having just a hard time staying grounded and keeping perspective. And so I, working with Friendly Fire has been really wonderful because the first person that has needed that pretty badly was me. <laughs> so finding a group of people that actively seek that grounding and that sort of rooting in um, a faith practice and like in sort of a, a really like strong with a strong spiritual sense and bonding. And we like really focus on keeping that perspective via um, always looking towards God has been really helpful just for my other organizing as well. And so I'm hoping that the Friendly Fire Collective um, can sort of you know, do that work both with me internally and then externally with the world. That's so cool. Uh, I feel like um, the left actually really needs a kind of pastoral care element, I guess, you could, if you want to put it that way. And it's neat to think of Friendly Fire as offering that or offering uh, a kind of healing space where people feel like they can uh, recharge and, and kind of draw from traditions that speak to that excess and, and rest and, and peace. That's really a neat, a neat thing. Um could we also maybe like uh talk about that in the other direction like on the on the FAQ for the website for Friendly Fire it says that you draw on both marxist and anarchist traditions uh so what are some of those political theories that kind of feed back into like the spiritual practices and uh, the ideas of the collective um well i'll be honest i think most people uh have anarchist tendencies uh if not being anarchist and friendly fire so far though we do have like a, a number we do have a few marxists uh, people identify like as like you know strictly marxist or whatever but um i think uh i mean marxists have been at the forefront of like the anti-imperialist struggle and in movements of self-determination so there's like a powerful tradition revolutionary tradition there that comes from marx and how marxism and specifically like workerism centers and, and lifts up the working class reminds me of jesus and how he kind of did the same thing and so and that like for me personally and i think in general with the uh with how friendly fire is that's how we kind of connect to marxism um and but again i think most of us do have anarchist tendencies and that tradition tends to build us up more and the whole idea of building a new world out of the ashes of the old uh, which i feel like is like a wobbly saying it's pretty essential to our apocalyptic theology um yeah that makes sense i mean it seems like uh, quakerism lends a lot more to to anarchism i can imagine a quaker anarchist a lot more easily than i can imagine like a quaker marxist i guess <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I have to say that Marxism is not my bag. You know this about me already. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> um, yeah, but through through Quakerism, I learned to understand that um, to have grace with other people's. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we we need a lot of it. <laughs> I just like teasing you. <laughs> no, we we like it too. We get it. Uh, we're into it. Um, one of these days, <laughs> one, one day we'll have like a, a real life conversation about Marxism and anarchism. But right now, we're just all about talking about how how great you guys are. So you can just you know <laughs> let the barbs fly. We'll just we'll just take them them all uh, like like true Christians here in this conversation. Um, <laughs> how could you speak though a little bit about like how ecumenism and kind of organizing across these leftist tendencies plays into the Friendly Fire Collective? Um, I mean, one one thing that I think is so cool is like drawing from those anarchist traditions and drawing from Quaker traditions, you uh, have a really good like public presence about um, being open to other kinds of Christians and other kinds of leftists. Um, is that like a thing that you have sort of baked into the, the collective or just something that's kind of emerged or how does that uh, play out for you guys? Um, well, on a personal level, how I organize is by focusing on the work itself and not the sort of identities or ideological um, leanings of the people doing the work. And so it doesn't really matter if you're, if you're doing good work and we're working together on a project that um, we can come together and have the same goals and um, work together in like a loving, caring, equal fashion, then um, it doesn't really matter so that sort of is a way, that's a way of being able to bring in larger community in, in a, and sort of like, sort of sideline the, the, the problems, these like problems that you're talking about. Sometimes it can rise between conflicting ideologies. Yeah. And I think uh, with like Quakerism, uh, like it's very much a universalist, well, liberal Quakerism is very much like a universalist tradition. Um, and so we very much believe that the light is in all people and um, we value that of God in everyone. And so, uh, yeah, I feel like that is at a core of our organizing. And um, and I think like so like Murray Bookchin, like towards the end of his life, said something about how like the future of the left depends upon its ability to see what's valid and and take what's valid from Marxism and anarchism for the present time and for like the future. And I think there's something to that. Like we want to get people to do the work that is needed now, both in direct actions, but also in like infecting others with a sense of class consciousness. And hopefully in doing the work together, we, we, we want to imagine ways forward that may be actually bigger than our political tendencies. Um, and I kind of feel the same way with our with our kind of like interdenominational ecumenical approach to this. Like I want I want to get people together to experience God and and to like kind of brew and like the power of that and see what comes out of it and um, imagine and, and do something that's bigger than our own like uh, faith traditions. So I guess on on that point. Um, it seems like Friendly Fire, at least from the description that you guys have been giving, is really informed by sort of the theological imaginary of Quakerism. And that makes it, I think, really unique. Um, I mean, sometimes you see like other Christian movements that are engaged with politics in sort of like a pretty ambiguous kind of way. Um, 
without any real like teeth or something, but it seems like a lot of the motivation that you guys have in this, uh, in the collective like kind of comes out of the, the commitments to Quakerism and sort of like the beliefs behind it. Uh, do you think though that like, or I guess how, how can we use, um, how can we use religion to like connect with other religious folks to get them kind of more interested in the political commitments that like leftists naturally have? Is there some kind of like common thread between like all Christians that we can kind of tug on to make people more invested in this work? Or uh, is, is there just like, uh, are the uh, splits in sort of political consciousness kind of too much for us to deal with in some way? Um, I think if we come back to the word, that is always a strong choice. And there's enough, there's enough there if we are willing to dig in and look past sort of I don't know. I feel like we have to reclaim the idea of God being love and that being for not like negotiable mm. <laughs> kind of. Um, and I think that's, that's a pretty simple concept that seems to have been lost for a lot of religious folks. So sort of this like really scary mean God is sort of unfortunate. Like the mystic, the mystic God is just made of love and light. And we are all part of that. You know, the, the three transcendentals is very important. It's sort of the mystic tradition that everybody, everything in the world and everybody are either um, are good, true and beautiful. And there's that's that's all the that's all that there is. So I don't know how this is connecting back to the original question, <laughs> but it, it just seems to me like that's that's just the core of all of our faith should be that or is, you know, that God is love. And loves us. And if God loves us, then we should be able to figure out how to work together on creating a world that's more loving for everybody. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I'd say I think like Christianity does have something to offer. Uh, like, like I keep going back to this, but like, I think it's because it's so essential to, to my own theology. And, and I think Quaker theology is like the vision of, of, a new world and um, like the apocalyptic theology. And I think that's something that all Christians, like we all pray every day that kingdom come, you know? And so like that, if we really like, I don't know, there's, there's something about being a Christian. I feel like we're supposed to be, if we really believe in this whole kingdom thing, um, then I think we should be like kind of living into a prefigurative politics where it's like, we're actually living that kingdom that we believe in now. And so I think that's an, a theological thing that can bind us all together and, I mean, um, and can challenge us all and, and continually challenge us all. Uh, I think both of what you were saying are, it's just really interesting to me trying to figure out how Christianity can offer these tools and uh, these kinds of, I guess, imaginative exercises, um, which is like a really healthy thing for leftists to kind of keep expanding those imaginative horizons. Um, I kind of get the impression that that's something behind the uh, retreat that you guys are organizing in Philadelphia. Uh, and maybe we could start talking about that a little bit. So this episode is going to come out um, not too long before the, the new deadline of March 29th, but at least long enough that hopefully folks who are still interested could could check it out um could you give us kind of like a, an elevator pitch of what you hope that retreat is going to be maybe like what went into getting it together and, and what are you trying to accomplish there um yeah uh 
Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, when we first started planning the retreat, we were just like, let's get a bunch of our friends to a cabin together and just kind of, like, wait on the spirit and let's do some direct actions, <laughs> and that's it. There was, like, no plan to it, but then um, more, and pe more people started hearing about it, and it started becoming more of a thing than we realized it was <laughs> becoming <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that we planned and intended. Like, we, we were just going to, like, you know, hang out in the woods um and kind of i don't know but it's uh really like what what we intend like still like it's we're still organizing it it's still pretty and we intend on it being a pretty uh um rela like relaxed time and we want it to actually feel like a retreat and it's uh, and like we kind of want it to have a feel of like an extended meeting for worship which is like uh, like that's what we call um, meeting for Quakers is meeting for worship, uh, which is like, you know, unprogrammed, though there will be workshops and stuff. Um, we want that space to be there for the spirit to do things among us and for something, you know, if something happens, if spirit leads us to do something, we'll do that. But um, uh, yeah, I, I think what is really um, what I'm most excited about, like, is just this idea of gathering people who come from different uh, theological convictions um, and who uh, have different political tendencies, uh, but at the same time are really like convicted and led by um, divine love and are challenged by it. And um, I, I, yeah, uh, for me, that's like what's exciting about the retreat. Yes, we'll be marching in May Day, and we'll have some like cool militant banners and like. Um, we'll have some wild, you know, chants and stuff and we'll do direct actions of like feeding people. But, um, but honestly, it's just going to be, for me, I'm just really excited to, to worship and pray and, and to have that fellowship with people who are, who may like, you know, have liturgy and stuff and like they, they prefer that and like, you know, maybe Marxist, but, um, still like at the core, we really believe in the same things and we believe in this, this new world. So, um, Yeah. The Friendly Fire Collective, we're scattered all over the U.S., and we've never met each other. <laughs> so originally, it really was just like, I would love to meet you in person, because we're doing all this, we're doing organizing and learning a bit about each other, and by talking on the phone and sort of um, on the internet, and so let's just get us physically together, because also the physicality of um, mystic worship is really important, the, the energy source, like you can feel it when you're in a room, it's why we do corporate worship is one of the reasons because you can like feel the energy so you, it's really important to be in the same room as other people so like that was sort of the basis of the idea of getting everyone together and then I'm really excited about the fact that it's very loosely planned like one of the things we asked on the application for people to come was do you have anything you want to talk about is there any workshops that you feel like you would like to do or any sort of um, activities or that kind of thing so that we basically just have a loose group of um, people with interesting ideas and things they want to share and sort of a idea of like, well, we were going to schedule, you know, we have this much time for kind of basic things and letting the spirit lead us to what's right in that moment. Cause one workshop that we might think is interesting now may not be as applicable at the beginning of May. We don't know, you know, it's sort of going to be just like what feels right at this moment. So it's the same thing as sort of the waiting worship as you wait until something comes and it's specific to that moment you know it's like not planned but that's because you can't speak into it to a moment until you're in it so that's what I'm, I'm really excited 
um, for that aspect of it. I've never really been on a retreat that's organized like that. And I think it's a really fun idea. Yeah, that's such a cool idea. Um, man, my first impulse would be to overprepare for all those things. <laughs> and it would be a flop because of it. Uh, that sounds really cool and exciting, though. Uh, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter who have mentioned that they're going, and it seems like it'll be a really neat thing. Um, is there like a specific workshop that might be planned uh, that you're looking forward to specifically, or uh, are you just looking forward to kind of hanging out with everybody? He's like, were you gonna? Were you, was there a workshop you were gonna do? Uh, I'm probably not. I've done enough work <laughs> i'm gonna plan another yeah. workshop after that um, but no uh there was a rumor that argentina or um saint big tina on twitter is leading a workshop on like pentecostal <laughs> anarchism um which sounds very exciting uh and yeah um, and of course i mean i mean i'm sure and i've heard someone mention that this might happen and i know everyone's gonna like we're, we're always kind of doing this anyway but there's, there's gonna be like a conversation workshop on like violence um which is it's my jam yeah it's like <laughs> it's like what we're always talking about as like christian leftists but uh yeah um so that should yeah. be fun i'm excited about that yeah me too i'm excited about that conversation it's gonna be really interesting and really it was it was fun to hear your episode magnificast about with um the um catholic worker when they were talking about they, that they were having that conversation oh, yeah. too and it's like man i'd love to be a fly on the wall for that so yeah it's gonna be yeah that's gonna be interesting mm-hmm. yeah and i might teach a workshop you should for sure uh i mean you've always got that good good anti-fascist stuff going on um <laughs> i mean i would go to your workshop if i could go there for sure uh <laughs> it's it's cool that christians are really actually taking on so many of these problems um like violence and other kinds of things and I guess just being open to those issues. I mean, on the podcast, like we circle back to a lot of those problems, I guess, because we're still thinking them through too. Um, And it's like so encouraging to hear that there are a lot of different spaces that also kind of think that these are things worth revisiting. And I guess not like closing the book on right away, which is at least something that I feel like 10 years ago or something when I was thinking about Christianity and leftism as like a very young uh, person in, in both of those conversations it wasn't really the case back then it was kind of like a lot of these mm-hmm. things were just open and shut shut issues or whatever mm-hmm. so uh i'm i'm very curious to hear like what emerges out of those conversations yeah me too and <laughs> honestly i one of the things i'm i've kind of like have been realizing the past couple of days i'm most excited about the retreat is that like i mean like um dean i think you like know michigan christian anarchists and like that's kind of like the (laughs) picture of christian anarchism that that exists and like kind of what and i'm not saying that's like totally bad it's just like not my anarchism and like i'm excited for like a (laughs) revolutionary anarchism that like a christian revolutionary anarchism to be articulated and for people to start like thinking about what that means and to like yeah, I don't know. For that to be a thing, and and it's not just like, a, a like, people eating like you know uh, roadkill and stuff. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, actually. Um, so uh, for people that don't know, Heisung mentioned you went to Calvin. I went to Cornerstone University, which is right down the road from Calvin in Grand Rapids. And uh, there's like a weird contingent of Christian anarchists in West Michigan, in particular. Uh, they're like really into pacifism and, and anarcho-primitivism and all kinds of other kind of, I don't know, wa- wild and very interesting things. But I, I felt the same way, hey, Sung. like, I-, I don't know, I was reading a bunch of it at one time in my life and it was really exciting until I like 
decided that it was actually too weird and like it didn't seem to be doing the kind of thing that, that i like wanted christians yeah. or anarchists to be doing um could you like talk a little bit more about how maybe what you're after is a little bit different from those anarcho-primitivist streams in christianity because i think that is i think you're right that that is the kind of picture that people think of when they hear christian anarchism rightly or wrongly that's kind of a, a major strand so what's going on with the revolutionary anarchism that the two of you are interested in yeah, well, Tolstoy's whole thing was to run away, and that seems to happen a lot. Because if you're going to be a pacifist, um, you if you're if you're there, if you're in the middle of the thing, this is how I see it. If you're in the middle of the thing and you're being a pacifist, then it's like you're seriously not going to step in and help. Like you know what I mean? But it's like, but I'm like I'm like not even there though. I'm like up on a mountain, so I can't help. It's like okay, okay. <laughs> um, that's sort of. So yeah, that I'm not I'm not into the Tolstoy model of like running away. Like I understand it's sort of like tied into prefigurative politics a lot of this, where it's like, well, yeah, but we're out here trying to like create a new society in this model, and we can't do it within the within society as it exists. But I I believe the idea of um, creating a new society within the shell of the old, and that maybe for me is even physically within these um, spaces. You know, huh. that it's not it's not helpful to run away or to, to deny the reality that we have right now. You know, it's like we it sucks that we're in this reality, but we have to we have to deal with it. We can't just like try and pretend that it's not there or try and like look back to a reality that probably doesn't even exist. A lot of the anarcho primitivism primitivism stuff is not really rooted very well in any sort of actual history or archaeology mm. on, on where people what people have been doing. You know, it's not true for all of it, but um, I'm, I'm just personally really not. A primitivist so um yeah yeah um same so like i guess for me yeah it's like that the whole idea of like um just kind of being separated and like uh and uh, like apart from empire or society or civilization or whatever um that just seems to to value like piety over people um like mm. yes that 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 is like mm. that's cool that you're like creating like this like a place that like may feel like very kingdom like but the reality is that it's not going out into the world and it's not actually affecting people's lives or creating a real movement towards change and and it's kind of more just a way of keeping yourself clean of like you know or pretending you're not complicit in and just like the violence of the everyday world and just like and i don't know it's it's weird to me and it, it doesn't seem like very incarnational you know like the whole idea of like christ like becoming human and like taking up this human life like we the, like it sort of like refuses that and i don't know <laughs> not a fan yeah. <laughs> it's so tough i mean like we uh we close out each episode of the show with a song from the illogical spoon which is an anarcho-primitivist band uh, from, michigan. from michigan yeah uh, yeah uh and like i really love their music a lot and um like i've had the sort of fortune i guess of chatting with them several times back when i lived in michigan and i mean they're like interesting people doing a lot of interesting things and their music is really cool and it's very like creation affirming and i mean to their credit like they really face up to the uh totally destructive powers of global capital and that sort of thing but i guess like at the end of the day i mean uh i study like media and technology so I'm just not like it's it sort of rests on a, a weird a bunch of weird assumptions for me about like what technology is or what society is um 
And I don't know, I'm always of two minds about it, because on the one hand, I, I really appreciate that there's a there's a really strong spirituality there that feeds into that politics, um, which is also what really attracts me to the Friendly Fire stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I like I like them, but at the same time, I just can't can't hang at the end of the day, even though they have I, a very have cool to, outro. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have to I have to go back and say, like, being so dismissive is, of course, a sort of puritanical, overly self-righteous mm. thing to do. And, you know, like, I, I should we, you know, I don't want to be speaking like that about anybody who's trying to do good work. And now I feel bad. <laughs> um, but, you know, but because because I think there I think there I think there is a, I think there is a space for workshopping, like, you know, because so you can if you if you can like workshop these ideas of how society is going to actually function and then in somewhere that's sort of like a blank slate then maybe the ideas and the the praxis that you come up with in those spaces can be translated into other um into praxis in like a maybe a more like urban or like specifically like colonized environment yeah yeah i didn't mean to uh i mean i i set you up for sure because i was like <laughs> hey why are you better than this we're so convicted it's totally my fault. um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm trying. I really don't like Anna Kerr primitivism. <laughs> I got to show. I got to show that grace, social grace. So. I mean, I I think there's something to be said for the workshopping idea, though. So, okay, as well as long as we're talking about uh, Michigan anarcho Christians, um, the the Salters are just as much a part of that as the Illogical Spoon are. Um, and I don't know. You guys familiar with the Salters? Is that a thing? Yeah. A cultural reference that we share? Okay, great. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they're like a they're like another sort of like Christian anarchist band uh that was really uh pretty popular in the early 2000s, I guess. Anyways, uh they I mean had a lot of the similar vibes and they even shared a lot of members with the with Theological Spoon. But something I appreciate about them is that they they were anarcho-primitivists, but they were like really interested in like investigating sort of other types of like ways of living. Like they traveled around the country in like this bus that ran on like french fry oil or something. So it was pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. They were a really big part of my youth in like uh, formulating some political ideas. And I don't know. Um, they are really important uh, to me because they made me they made me like they're, they're like they're living as critique made me really re- rethink a lot of the ideas I had about Christianity and politics. Mm. Uh, so just like seeing them live in the world, even though like I might disagree with them now was a really powerful thing to me. Yes, I agree, Matt. Same kind of situation on my end. Uh but maybe that's a good way to just talk a little bit more about um, the kind of spirituality and spiritual practices that are encouraging that sort of like living in the now and, and prefiguring what we want to do or whatever on the side of eternity. Uh, it might be just a good opportunity to talk about that in relation to the this retreat. So like, how does uh, how do you think that having these kind of spiritual practices are going to um, or, or how do you hope that they'll kind of transform political activity or maybe encourage people to rethink their Christianity or how that might look. Um, how does like worshiping together or, or talking about spirituality, um, I guess like open us up to thinking about how Christianity might um, look different than even our like basic assumptions. Like most of us grow up, at least most of us who probably listen to this podcast, not everyone, but most of us grow up in places like the United States or Canada where Christianity is decidedly not a, a revolutionary um, faith for the most part. Um, by and large, it's not. And uh, so most of us have to kind of keep, I guess, deconverting from those uh, assumptions. How does uh, something like the Friendly Fire Collective sort of help help us to keep doing that? 
Well, I think this is where the direct action portion comes in really strongly, because it would definitely be a thing to see a bunch of Christian anarchists in a black block, right? I mean, it, 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 we're, we're still talking about security risks and comfort levels with people, but that is on the table. And so it, the idea that we're moving our ideologies and our faith practices into the real world, into actu- into direct action that's not in the electoral sphere, that's on the ground, that's on the streets, you know, that we're not that we're not just talking about theology, but that we're actually like having these intensive discussions um, and like in a really, in a really um, specific, you know, that we're having these intense discussions in a really deliberate way to come together and do this. And um, we make sure that we're in the physical space together too. So that's how I think, that's how I think of it. It's like bringing that theology, you know, make, um, bring the kingdom of God, to earth as it is in heaven, you know, very literally. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like that. Um, yeah, I think, well, so like, I, I think there is like kind of a difference between people who are like, um, or like the experience. Uh, so I'll say this. So a lot of people I know who kind of like became a Christian, you know, like in their like later teens or like as an adult, um, tend to have a, a different experience of Christianity than those who are, like, raised evangelical, um, especially in the sense of, like, becoming politically, like, radical. Like, I've, I've noticed a lot of us, like, who, like, kind of came to faith in Christ, like, later on, uh, it's more natural for us to, like, kind of combine these things and, like, find, find how they feed each other. And uh, I'll say, like, I don't know... Um, and maybe that's just because, like, how they were, like, programmed and, like, how basically being an evangelical in America uh, sets you up with, like, a certain, like, a number of, like, really bizarre political beliefs. But someone who, like, comes out on their own, like, it's harder to reconcile the Jesus thing to the to the whole religious right thing almost from the get-go. And I know that was a challenge for me, even though I liked Mark Driscoll, you know, at some point in my life, <laughs> uh, it still was difficult at that he, time. He likes us a lot, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but <laughs> even though, like, yeah, and and, uh, and last year I was kind of, you know, I, I last year was hell for me, and I, I really struggled to, to still kind of believe in the whole God thing, and, like, I couldn't pray. And um, sometimes when I was in the shower, I would just, like, yell, help. Or just kind of like weirdly speak in tongues and like try to make that a thing again. But for the most part, it didn't feel, every time I tried, it felt like I was pretending. And um, it wasn't until I started getting like into like direct, like, you know, going to protests and and doing more direct actions and and that sort of thing, feeding people that, um, and participating in like systems and mutual aid around me where like that's where like I found God again. And that like kind of experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, like I started experiencing that again. And like, and it felt so like natural and like that's how it was supposed to be, you know, like yelling at cops and like experiencing Jesus at the same time. <laughs> it's very much a thing. And I I want the retreat to be a place <laughs> where people can find that to be something that could be harmonious and good and natural. Yeah, um, that re- really resonates with me. I mean, I had a similar experience, not as a um, Pentecostal per se, but... Um, you know, I, like, I went into a PhD program in religion, and I was like, ah, I don't really know what I think about all this stuff, and um, just kind of like taking, taking a break. My partner doesn't really identify as a Christian anymore, so 
Um, I go to a place called the Institute for Christian Studies, but like, I don't know. But sometimes like your faith gets so heady that you like don't even know what you think anymore. And uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't until I like just started connecting that with uh, the kind of political convictions that I had and um, showing up at other uh, protests and rallies and being like, this is actually like an extension of something that I genuinely believe about whatever God or, or Christianity or other kinds of people. It does uh, provide a, a sort of material help to like what can be like an over intellectualized or over spiritualized faith, maybe or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, man, Christians uh, in a black box sound good. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, well, as of now, I'll be honest, the, the, the idea would... So, like, there's, like, a tradition among Quakers to dress plainly. And so, like, some men will have beards and hats and, like, wear, wear suspenders and that sort of thing. So there is, like, kind of... Kind of the goal right now is for half the people to be plain dressed and the other half to be like black block and there to be a mix of like both <laughs> in between. So I just think it'd be really yeah. sexy. <laughs> yeah, that's really well, good. I mean, I've said that I've I've said this before in my podcast, but black block is my plain dress. Yes, amen. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's like a that's a really good album cover for your first like a uh, punk Christian anarchist album. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of. I... <laughs> And just look look forward to my friendly anarchism swag that says black block is my plain dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Dean and I are always sort of at a loss for how to close these conversations out because they're like too good. Um, so we decided <laughs> that we'd kind of come up with like a stock question and then just like ask everybody this question because uh, it seems like a good one. So um, I, I should add uh, the the credit goes to my partner Emily for actually um, asking me if we always ask people this question and every time I'm like oh no we don't and she's like well you should so how <laughs> <laughs> <Now> we are <laughs> um, yeah okay well thanks Emily for that very constructive feedback <laughs> uh, okay so uh, what's something that you wish that like leftists knew about Christians and vice versa. Catherine, I feel like you should answer this one. Here, <laughs> like here, here's the joke. I know. I just, I just had to make this joke because I know you're gonna edit out these silences. But I, just, I just have to say that there are these like big silences while me and Hayesung are just like contemplating in silence before we answer. <laughs> That's the joke. That's the joke. That there's always a lot of silence. There's like you're gonna have lots of silence in a Quaker podcast. So I just had to. I'll, I'll leave that one in. You'll <laughs> <It's laughs> leave that one in. Okay. It's true. <laughs> um. What do I wish? Oh, okay, let's see. I wish that leftists um, knew more about the sort of like biblical Jesus that doesn't suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, you know, I I just wish that leftists had um, a more on a further, you know, I I don't know if it's open hearts and open minds, but it's just like a lack of exposure to the who i see is like kind of like the real historical jesus of the bible that is very like loving and all about taking down wealth and power and it's all super exciting and he just like talks back to authority all the time and he's just super fun and rad and i just wish that um people could meet him um or at least you know so yeah that's what i wish for leftists and for christians about leftism i wish that they could see that we're not scary that we are also very loving that anarchists come anarchist praxis and what we do comes from a deep place of love for humanity and for the world and that we're working really hard to try and like make the world a better place and do all the things that jesus said to do that we should be doing about you know helping with the poor and helping with the 
the um, oppressed, you know, and it's just like, it seems like we've been, we're in sort of separate spheres doing the same work in many ways. So it seems like if we could just kind of get everybody to understand that we really have the same goals. Yeah. And I, I think like I'm an admin on uh, uh, Catherine's uh, Facebook page, Friendly Anarchism, and there's constantly like messages and, and comments about how like can't be a Christian anarchist and like because you know God is like <laughs> uh, you know God's you know God's no masters and all that shit and it's just like yeah. I kind of wish they would realize that there are Christian anarchists who like articulate God in a way where where there isn't like some kind of like spiritual hierarchy or like like and, and like God isn't like an authoritarian figure but like is like a comrade and like you know the ground of being or whatever you know so that's like so. I I wish they they would. I don't know. I I would like anarchists like to know there's like more nuance than there, and like, and there has been like plenty of conversations about this that isn't what they're talking about and like what they're envisioning. <laughs> um, and for like Christians, I I think that like, um, I think something I I wish they kind of like understood is that we could like come together on like a lot of the same work, even if it's like. Like, yeah, you don't have to come to like our communist manifesto, like like reading club or whatever book club or like what whatever. But you know, like we can feed people together, and we can like set up a healthcare clinic, to, like or like you know a health clinic together, and uh, like create more efficient ways of like taking care of people. Um, like there are so many ways that like that like we have like the same goals and. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like, we can be doing the work together. And like, we probably should be if we both really believe in this whole, like, kingdom of God thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like both of those answers a lot. Um, especially that kind of, I guess, strategy of just clearing up misunderstandings. There's so many, like, knee-jerk reactions that uh, close down possibilities of understanding the really complex, nuanced history of both Christianity and the left. Um it's, I mean, there are like vested interests in uh, the ruling class that those uh, misunderstandings persist, right? So that people don't, um, I guess, get together. Um, so mm -hmm. it's so great to have things like friendly anarchism uh, and, um, you know, like those kinds of resources, the kind of stuff that's happening at Friendly Fire Collective that I guess they're just providing a space for people to hear something different and hopefully do like a double take. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um cool well uh the new deadline for applying for the um the retreat in philadelphia is march 29th so you can find that all on the uh friendly fire collectives website and we'll link that out and all that sort of thing um i hope that you guys get a great turnout we know some folks who are going uh tina we know some other other people there are some christians for socialism people i know who are going to be there and that's really neat so i'm excited to kind of hear about what that looks like and um mm -hmm. yeah uh cool. i would just encourage folks if you have if you've got nothing to do you might as well go to philadelphia uh, there's a lot of good folks there i guess um, <laughs> if you have something anything to else go to philadelphia <laughs> cancel yeah, your plans like... <laughs> <laughs> uh i can't say that because i am not going to cancel my plans but i appreciate that you are matt you just committed here oh, no. <laughs> but uh, i gotta teach class <laughs> yeah you messed up um so uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you guys want to add at the end here, but um, we wish you all the best and we'll be following the news. 
Yeah, well, hopefully there won't be too much news. Should we talk about Blair? Give him some love? Oh, support? we probably should, actually. So, um, would you want, yeah. do you want to say something, Catherine? Um, sure, yeah. I'm, I was there. So, me and some other Quakers went to the protest in East Lansing against Richard Spencer, speaking mm. at um, mm-hmm. Michigan State University. And Blair Ellis, and he's okay. He told me he's okay using his name. Um, and um, uh, two other of our Quaker comrades got arrested. And uh, he's facing, um, I don't know, I don't know the details about one of their cases. One of them got all of their charges dropped. One of their cases, I don't know the details. But Blair is facing multiple felonies. And wow. he's been in court once and... Um, he has to go back, and it's just a very scary situation right now. So just if you could hold him in your heart and hold him in your thoughts and prayers, and um, um, we're going to be holding him in the light while he kind of goes through this tough process of being what it is, what it really is to be a freedom fighter. And uh, we're really proud of him, and we hope that we hope that it goes well, and we hope that he can st- will still be able to join us in Philadelphia. He's been a really major part of getting the all of the retreat together. Um, he's one of the real um, real strong parts of the retreat, and we're we're um, hurting that he he has had to step out for the moment. Yeah, yeah that yeah, sounds we'll awful. We'll definitely be praying for Blair for sure, and uh, we'll follow that too. Hopefully, folks can kind of keep up to date and find ways to help. Um, if they if there are, feel free to let us know. And there's also a legal slash bail fund that people can give to. Um, that would be much appreciated because it's not just for Blair, but like you know, uh, two, two dozen people. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We can definitely tweet that out and, uh, make sure people have that information. Thank you. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks so much again. And, uh, looking forward to seeing what's on the horizon for you and your other comrades and we'll hopefully get together one of these days. Yes. All right. Great. Yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. See you in, uh, I'll see you in Um, Montreal maybe actually right oh yeah that's right when i'm yeah yeah well, i could say yeah well yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm going to be speaking at the um, north american anarchist studies network conference in montreal and maybe i can come up and uh, see you so that'd be yeah swing on by we'll be here yay Thanks for listening to Magnificast. Um, if you like what you heard in this episode, definitely go check check out Friendly Anarchism um, and hear more from Catherine. Uh, there's even another episode that she has with Sung, so that's something cool to think about and go listen to. Um, also, if you like this episode, if you like what you're hearing, uh, go and make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We need some more iTunes reviews, uh, so get on that. Uh, ain't got enough. Yeah, ain't got enough. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, we have a cool um, sort of group on face- Facebook called the Magnificast Basement. Um, so uh, you can go and join that. Uh, that'd be great. And uh, also, if you're feeling so led, uh, you should support us on Patreon. And that is cool. Um, you can get all of the episodes like a day or two days early. Um, <laughs> well, some of them. Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh anyways any way that you support us uh that'd be great uh we do appreciate it so much um okay well thanks for listening um now we can uh listen to that <laughs> the good sounds of those anarcho-primitivists uh the illogical spoon uh they can have the last word in this conversation <laughs>
I don't wanna get up for church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no dam between us and our Lord.